Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today I'm joined Slayer Fest 98's original Scooby, senior writer for Decider.com. Joe Reed. Oh, sorry. Hey. <laughs> I'm never as quick to jump in as I, I should be, but maybe it's that I want to like give myself like an anticipated entry. <laughs> like Glory, I uh, I like a well-paved entrance. So, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I'm very happy to be here and talking about this episode today. We are here with a pair of really fantastic guests who are making their third appearance and thus Scooby eligible. I'm yeah. just going to go with eligible. I feel like that's a good <laughs> word there. I feel like that's official. Feels very official sounding. Yeah. We have with us the co-host of the Angel on Top podcast and the host of Don't Tell the Babysitter Mom's Dead. Brittany Ashley. Yay. Yes. See? See how that works when somebody jumps right in, Joe? God <laughs> damn it. Uh, also, we have with us the editor-in-chief of the literary journal Gigantic Sequins and also, since eighth grade, Ian's best friend... Kimberly Ann Saplink. Bam! Nailed it. <laughs> um, yeah, so today we're here... Neither of you need uh, Buffy Origin, because you have all been on a lot. Um, we're here to discuss Season 5's penultimate episode, um, Weight of the World, um, an episode that I actually really love, um, and of course have a lot of feelings about, which mm -hmm. isn't anything new to this podcast, because when do I not have feelings about Buffy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I love the opening, where... So this is like a weird comparison, but this is what I kept thinking of on this viewing the opening with the minions like racing around and it feels all very final um kind of like i was waiting for them to break out into like a muppet song of somebody's getting married <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah it's very manic or something yes um so the the things that the info that glory drops here which i feel like me and matthew had spent a lot of this season like being like is this a thing like Glory says she's been waiting 20, like, she says her age, she says, or her human age, she's been waiting 25 human years. Um, right. So, which also, like, answers the question, have Ben and Glory always been tied together? And I guess the answer is yes, right? Yeah, I guess also there with him when Ben was going through medical school, right? which is crazy to me. <laughs> that had to have been, like, really inconvenient. <laughs> yes. That sort of puts the spin on that old sort of trope about, like, the young couple who, like, you know, I put you through medical school. I was there with you while you were, you know, <laughs> going through all that. Now it's my time to shine. And now it's Glory's mm -hmm. time to shine, literally. <laughs> and it is. Yeah, it almost makes her more deserving of being able to do this because she had to sit through all of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I just like that it's like, I mean, she's, what, being fitted for whatever that like like robe is that frock um, yeah. yeah which is like it's weird that she goes out in like the most unflattering outfit when she wore all these like badass i love that though i love how like unfabulous it is because it's so much like we're going from like glory the sort of killing with a flick of her wrist kind of doing whatever she wants and now all of a sudden like she's into she has to wear this thing that she does wouldn't normally want to wear for this ritual that is, you know, a little constricting for everybody, which I thought was kind of cool. Where we see for the first time that, like, this isn't what Glory would have, you know, wanted to have, have to go through all of these hoops and to jump through all of this just in order to get what she wants. I mean, and... I guess it's unflattering, but at the same time, it's badass and she looks like badass in it and her hair and makeup are perfect so well that I, is always the case yeah we already know because it happened in the previous episode but i like that we're they're pretending as though it's just them getting ready she lays down on the couch she's you know i mean i claire kramer is great in every episode but i feel like in this episode they give her maybe the most to do yeah um mm -hmm. and there's a lot of her like her carrying a scene where like she's the only one acting in it um where, like, there's a minion there, but they're really not doing much, or Dawn's crying. Um, but <laughs> it's mostly Glory, like... I, I would have watched, like, a whole Zippo version of a Glory episode, where it's, like, yeah. the villain's point of view, and it's just her going... Like, I would see, like, watch her eat breakfast, I don't know, and, like, have a freak out and throw a plate against the wall. <laughs> She's monologuing, like, almost this whole episode. Yeah, and it's And, and every time, it's good. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I love that she's, like you know, I don't want to kill you. Like, what's up with that? And then sits down on the couch and then just pans over to Dawn to remind yeah. you that, like, 
oh, it's fun to watch Glory, but also she's evil and, like, trying to destroy the world and murder Dawn. Uh, I think that's, like, a good, like, oh, you're enjoying this scene, but... <laughs> well, and I like the fact that, like, what's the thing that Glory is going to do to the world? She's going to, like, pull down the barriers between all dimensions and everything bleeds into each other. And, like, that's what's happening to her in this episode. Whereas, like, all of her walls between her and Ben and any kind of, like, human emotion that she doesn't like. And all of a sudden now she has to feel things like guilt or, like, you know, pity for somebody. It's, I don't know, it's very cool. Yeah, I didn't even get that. But now that you say that, I think that that makes the I didn't I didn't think this episode could be better but yeah that makes it better. <laughs> um and so then we get you know the which is actually like so I feel like right the two the two main themes of this episode are glory and dawn slash glory ben and dawn and then which are like you know a self-contained storyline and then there's willow and buffy so then we get you know the scoobies are in this you know beaten down gas station where they have been hiding out in the last episode um, Buffy's, it picks up right where it left off. Buffy's catatonic. Um, and Willow's trying to wake her up and Buffy is not having it. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't know how you guys felt about the, how do you feel about the plot of it being that she's shut down? Cause it just makes me feel bad for her. I, I like it because it forces Willow into some sort of like leadership role. But I also, this episode I, so I had watched seasons one and two in real time, mm. and then this was the first episode after the season two finale that I had just caught randomly, mm. and I remember watching these scenes and being like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like, I don't understand. It was truly the weirdest episode to just, like, slip into after two seasons of being dormant, but I definitely do enjoy these types of episodes, like, the what was it, the season four finale that was also kind of like a, like, you know, put in dreams. Yeah, and it's yeah. just an interesting kind of look into her psyche, especially later when it comes to, like, the the death is your gift and the whole, like, death wish stuff. So I thought it was really interesting going into her mind because it was Willow just really having to take the reins and and figure out how to push Buffy out of this state. Yeah, and yeah. I, I love Willow in charge. Yeah, that just... Because Buffy is catatonic, everyone in the real world gets to be, like, not the best version of themselves, obviously, but, like, this, uh, just very much who they are, I guess. I feel like each of the, I don't know how to explain what I'm thinking, but because Buffy's just kind of, like, not there but not there, everyone is very much themselves. And who they are up up until this particular point in Buffy in the series and then also like hints of who they'll become I think in some ways yeah yeah I think that her just being kind of uh quiet and you know catatonic like allows us to see that and especially if you've seen I you know you've seen the rest of the series so like yeah right yeah I remember watching it at the time because I remember one of the big storylines that people were paying attention to from the beginning of this season was like Willow's sort of, I mean, has had been tracking for several seasons. It was like Willow's sort of increasing power, right? And so increasing sort of authority. And I remember watching this at the time and everybody who I knew who watched Buffy was like super psyched about her stepping up in this episode. And like, this was like such like a fuck yeah, Willow kind of a moment. And it's funny now I watch it and with the knowledge of what happens in seasons six and seven, mm-hmm. it's a, there's a little bit more of a shade to it, right? Where now there's a little bit more like, oh, this is so great, Willow. Oh, right, but like this is the road she's walking down. And we get so- both Willows, right? We get like early Willow. She's in the her very first line is like early Willow. I I copied and pasted, if you will. She says we should move her. Uh, unless we shouldn't, should we? You know, and that like Willow kind of like saying what she's right. thinking out loud and like not being sure kind of thing, and then like really quickly after that it's when she uh xander and spike are fighting and she's like separate you know and yes. it's like, whoa. yeah oh that was so cool yeah, yeah. I, I so yeah then we get the credits and i love that like i i put in my notes yes willow i love dom top willow <laughs> 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 because like so y- true you know i times like this when i'm like i kind of miss oz like oz was like the only i mean clearly giles but giles is the dad figure there's no like peer like a man in the show who's a peer that isn't like kind of a shithead. Um, mm-hmm. And like Spike and Xander are like flexing their stupid muscles over who loves Buffy more. And Willow's right. just like, we don't have time for this bullshit. Like, 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I love Willow. Um, I love any scene where one character hands out duties to the other characters. Like, <laughs> I want a super cut of those scenes where she's just like, and you're going to do this, and Anya's going to take care of Tara, and this and this, and then we'll all meet up back here. And I was just like, yes, this group needed a, a, a list, a task list. And it was, yeah. <laughs> but I remember, so wait, I wanted to throw this question out to the group, because I remember watching at the time, and I, I feel like the run of episodes that started... I think it started maybe even with intervention, but definitely with like tough love and then spiral. And the whole, the action was just like the episodes didn't even seem to be all that distinct. It was just sort of like everything was escalating. You knew everything was sort of ramping up to this point and everything kept going like faster and faster and faster. I think that's what spiral was about was just sort of like it's escalating to a point of, you know, it's going to blow. And this episode is a very conscious step back. It's a slowdown. It's, Buffy has shut down. We've got to, like, Willow's got to find her. And then Glory spends the whole episode talking to Dawn, essentially. And I remember at the time watching it that there was some sense of frustration with, like, you know, oh, my God, we're almost there. Like, now all of a sudden we have to, like, sit through this episode that is mostly talking. (laughs) And I love it. But, like, I don't know. Did you guys, either watching it now or watching it then, have any sense of, like, frustration that this was such a slowdown? I don't remember how I felt about it the first time, but I enjoyed the pace this time because of the way that they fit so much into such really a short period of time in real life. Like this episode and then obviously the gift, there's a lot of uh, parallels to becoming part one and part two, except for obviously becoming part one had like such a larger cliffhanger and there was so much action. We were like, how the fuck are they going to possibly end it with one other episode? (laughs) So there's definitely that aspect in my mind. And obviously the way that the season ends, um, you know, getting from this point to that point, it feels like so much is going to happen in, in the gift in the next episode. But I definitely, I, I can see where a frustration would come. And I think if I was watching it in real time, I would be furious. But <laughs> I think but I think the fact that I have, like, the, that we have, like, binge privilege. It, yes. It is a nice, um, it's a nice exhale to just kind of see what, how Buffy is feeling in these moments. Because it is so, obviously, like, Dawn-focused in the way that she, you know, she's going to be the one that might have to be sacrificed in, in this whole, you know, season is all kind of built around her as the key so it is nice to check in with Buffy especially after you know the fact that she's still grieving it is nice to see what is actually going on in her brain because she and and obviously it ties into the death wish thing where she it it wouldn't be insane for her to just kind of want everything to be over I I enjoyed it much more you know after I've, I've binged it and have already seen it and as this episode was airing, I remember between this and then with The Gift, there were these, like, talks about, like, well, Buffy doesn't have, isn't, hasn't been renewed at the WB yet, and, like, all of this stuff. And I feel like biz- there were, like, you know, business stories that were making everybody very sort of une- un- uneasy, and word didn't get around as quickly back then either. Right. So I feel like we were more in the dark than we could have been. And- right, they wrote it with the intention of maybe this is the end of right. the series right yeah and jane espenson and claire kramer both said that they did write this to be a series finale because at the time going in like i guess by the time it aired they knew but i don't think going into production they didn't know if it would be the end or not (laughs) which to be fair i wouldn't have i love and i love season five i love glory i love this end of the season but i would not have liked this as an end to the show (laughs) because i know Because then you can't get season six, and there's so much goodness in season six. And, like, even, I just, I don't know that, like, a show like Buffy, like, I get in, like, horror movies, and, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, the character dies. But, like, after what she's been through in season five for the show to end, like, with that being, her mother dying, her sister not being real, you know, and then her dying, like, that would have been too much of an ending for me. Yeah, and also... As the audience, you've only known Dawn in this season, and most people dislike this, yeah. dislike season five Dawn. So for Buffy to sacrifice herself for this character that none of us are that into, we're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> At the same time, it's really hard to bring back a character who is dead. 
Yes. You know, like, you're like, oh, you're dead. So, like, now we cried for an entire summer, however long it takes the season to come back. So I'm glad that the six and seven are so good because they she, they have killed her. Right. And yeah, I, in this episode, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I know here. we are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I actually put in my notes that this episode is like the calm before the storm, which I think they try to do again in season seven with end of days where, like, I mean, she does... Yeah. You know, she encounters Angel and fights Caleb at the very end, but most of that episode is like, oh, a bomb had gone off the episode before, but everyone's mostly fine. Um, and there's well, a lot. What's the of... episode? It's in seven where like everybody just sort of fucks. Like that's sort of the uh, like everything's almost over, yeah. and now it's like time to pair up and have sex. Like yeah. that's sort of almost what this felt like too. Was just sort of like we're all gonna take a break. And then we'll meet up tomorrow and we'll end it. And I well, and normally, and Cam, I think you can probably vouch for this. Normally, I don't. I don't think. Pacing wise, I would normally be one who's all for a slowdown episode at after everything's been so like tense. But I don't know. For me, this a hundred percent works, and I think it's. And I mean, I say this all the time. Buffy's a sum of all its parts. It's both the writing and the acting. Like, yeah. I don't know that another actor, a lesser actor than Claire Kramer, could hold those entire scenes of Glory just monologuing. Right. Yeah. Like those scenes could have been flat played by someone else. Yeah, and but you, yeah, at the same time that you don't love a slowdown episode, like you can recognize that, like you need these slowdown moments yeah. for these characters because the whole Glory and Ben fighting internally thing, like that can't happen quickly or it's not yeah. going to be believable. Then yeah. yeah, then it's like nothing. Um, speaking of Ben and Glory, then we get uh, a scene of where Spike is the only one that remembers that Ben is Glory, and we're gonna do da -da -da, a reading of the scene. <laughs> Yay! Um. Joe, I will be playing Spike. Joe will be playing Xander. Brittany and Ashley will be playing Giles. And Kimberly Ann will be playing Willow and Anya. Now, uh, don't turn me into a horned toad for asking, but what if we come across Ben? I I don't think a doctor's what Buffy needs right now. Well, yeah. Especially one not especially not one who also happens to be Glory. What do you mean? You know, Ben is Glory. You mean Ben's with Glory? With in what sense? They're working together? No, no. Ben is Glory. Glory's Ben. They're one and the same. When did this all happen? Not one hour ago. Right here, before your eyes. Ben came, he turned into Glory, snatched the kid, and pff, vanished, remember? You do remember. Is everyone here very stoned? Ben... Glory, he's the doctor, she's the beast. Two entirely separate entities sharing one body. Like a bloody sitcom, surely you remember. So you're saying Ben and Glory... Have a connection. Yes, obviously, but what kind? Oh, I get it. That's very crafty. Glory worked the kind of mojo where anyone who sees her little presto changeo instantly forgets. And yours truly, being somewhat other than human, stands immune. So, Ben and Glory are are the same person? Glory can turn into Ben, and Ben turns back into Glory. And anyone who sees it instantly forgets. Cupid doll for the lady. Excellent. Now, do we suspect there may be some kind of connection between Ben and Glory? <laughs> Yay! Uh, Brittany, I commend you on doing the accent. Yes. You, com you, you committed more than I did. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do Spike's <laughs> accent. <laughs> um, I tried to do two different voices for Willow and Anya, but my voice pretty much sounds the same. So, <laughs> um, so what do you guys think of? I think the scene's really funny. Um, and oh, I, yeah. I, I feel like it's pretty iconic, right? Is everyone here very stoned is one of my favorite spike lines of the entire <laughs> series. It's so good. Okay. Um, it's funny because like for me the joke I don't know if I don't know if y'all get it, Brittany, with Angel, because it's Angel, not Buffy, but the I feel like lots of times when I tweet the, that'll be like everyone's jokey reply is like, Oh, so is Ben Glory? Like anytime there's like some oh, kind of confusion. Yeah. yeah, the thing tweeted at Slayerfest the most. <laughs> also, this is not a real complaint, but I do often wonder why Spike was able to see through this ruse, but not Anya. Agreed. Well, but she's like, tech she's newly human. Yeah, I mean, like, there are definite, like, technicalities that would explain it away. Like, there's several of them, <laughs> but I always think it's, like, kind of, like, it's just sort of convenient when they decide that 
Spike is special or Anya is special right. or they both are or neither one of them is. Right. There's definitely like a little bit of blur like, mm, yeah. um, but I, I still love it. Me when I was watching it, but it bothered me when we went back and uh, I was looking at the scene via the, uh, the script. But I think it's necessarily funny. And that's what. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the important part. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, so wait, so this is when they all break, though, right? Right. So then yeah. they all go back to Sunnydale, and Willow sets up her little, um, you know, one-on-one with Buffy and some candles, and everybody else sort of goes off to do their thing, um, which Spike goes to, like, snoop around Glory's apartment. Yeah. I think I th- this was the first time I really remembered noticing that he, like, sees Ben's little, like quarters in glory's apartment which is funny because like we've seen we had been in glory's apartment so many times right and this was just sort of like one little corner of it that we never saw that was you know obviously very important and then i can't remember what exactly xander and giles go to research but it's well xander goes he brings giles to the hospital and so he's helping giles right because giles is still yeah speared yeah i mean we have a scene with Glory and John before all that, though, I think, quietly. I mean, it's just one of the monologues. I think the one where she's like, uh, they're going to anoint her and Glory gets mad. One of the few times that happens. Right. Actually, this is the Glory Dawn scene I have the most notes for. Um, because I think I, because I just put, give Claire Kramer a belated Emmy, please. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking of the scene in Checkpoint where after Buffy goes home and Glory's there and they have like a talk. And then Buffy talks to the Watchers and she's like, Glory came to visit me today. And she had what in her warped brain probably passes for a civilized conversation. And I yeah. feel like that's what's happening here, right? Mm-hmm. Because Glory's, <laughs> Glory said, like, Glory kicks all the minions out and she yells, get out. Which I I was wondering if it was like an on-purpose callback or just like a cutesy yeah. reference to like the fact that Dawn says that a lot. I don't think the show had gotten to the point where that was like Dawn's catchphrase yet. Right. She had only said it once on the show at this point. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, she sits with Dawn. She asks Dawn if Dawn wants a pizza. She's like, I don't think we get cable here. Um, and I don't know. Like, I mean, like I said, it's all on Claire Kramer in these scenes because I'm like, oh, I'm enjoying watching this evil, like, demon god, you know, talk at this young kid she captured. She's like, Dawn's like, don't call me, don't call me Donnie. And, right. Glory's, and Glory's like, that actually hurt my feelings. And, Dawn, <laughs> and Dawn's like, I'm sorry. And Glory immediately waves her hand and is like, that's not the point. Because right. she's more concerned with why are my feelings hurt? Why do I have feelings to be hurt? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just think it's so good. I don't know. There's that. Glory in some like other universe is like a Disney villain. That's how enjoyable she is for me to watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It made me sad a little bit watching the episode that like, oh God, we're coming to the end of Glory's time on the show. Just I because know. I loved her so much. Oh God. This will no longer be a Glory. I mean, it'll still be a Glory <laughs> Stan podcast, but yeah. I won't have a reason to talk about her all the time. I know. You'll wait for that one moment in the, the beginning of season seven. When, yeah. <laughs> when she comes back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the fact that Claire Kramer, like, came on and was, like, great just made me love Glory even more. Like, yeah. Oh, so good. <laughs> and this scene, it was either this one or one of the other ones where Dom, but I feel like it had to be this one because she's not yet kind of turning into Ben back and forth yet. Right. I was like... If I were an actress, I would want to use the scene as like a monologue or something, you know? Because <laughs> it's good, right? Yeah. Like her like really just mixed emotions at having emotions. Yeah. Uh, seemed to me like something that would be difficult, but also very enjoyable to play. That's a really good description of it, Kim. Mixed emotions at having emotions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Wait, can we talk about the minions who are here this week? Because yes. I can't remember whether this was the first time that we saw the female minion or not but i remember once they started like swapping out different minions i got really freaked out the first time i was watching because we had spent so much time with just the one with jinx right and and then we had gotten so used to jinx and then jinx just goes away with like no explanation and now we keep getting like these sort of like these cycling in new minions and i don't know these ones seemed like they were there's there was drama I, like I want to see the little webisode series about like what these two were up to because the one they were definitely like trying to 
maneuver around one another and get each other in trouble with glory i right. don't know right i, I like I, their dynamic J- uh, joe i actually thought i was like mm, joe might know i was wondering why because jinx is the main minion for almost the entire season like and- i assume that guy probably like booked a better paying job or something like that but like i don't know like right it's because it's only the last i think he's in up to spiral and then with spirals when we get some new ones yeah and then they're yeah they're all like i kind of wish it would have been jinx just because i mean he was there but you're right he probably just that actor got like maybe a full-time paying job on a different show faith (laughs) killed him by accident and then went down a (laughs) crisis of conscience it was a whole thing oh so then we get willow and anya and i i actually really and i feel like this moment is earned Willow and uh, Anya together in the apartment and Willow's telling Anya how to take care of poor sweet Tara who's been brain sucked. And you know, like if this had been last season or the beginning of this season, this scene wouldn't have worked as well. But now we've gotten Triangle, we've gotten them kind of getting over their like dislike and annoyance of each other. They have that scene in the body. Yeah. Well, and then we get this great sort of like this scene that did remind me of the body a little bit where uh, Willow tells Anya like, wish me luck. And Anya, like, way too cheerfully is like, good luck. Yeah. And then then says it again yes. at the end of that scene and says it like a normal, like a person would say it. Yeah. With, like, knowledge of circumstances and context. And I was like, Anya's learning. I was, <laughs> I loved that. <laughs> I, I literally put hearts around that in my notes. I put an Anya saying it genuinely later. Um, yeah. Yeah. This episode has a lot of those good, like, little moments like that where, like, you know, it's good. It's fun. It's an enjoyable scene to watch, but it's even more enjoyable in the context of the bigger picture, right? Yeah, that's what I was saying about all the characters. Like, it's yeah. really all of them. Like, I, I felt like every character had their moment. And this is the, this is Anya's, right? Where it's like previous Anya and then just like, okay, like almost human Anya, like yeah. again at the same time. Yeah. Like she understands the like gravity of the situation. This is welcome to the start of Ian having too many feelings. Um, Willow goes into the room. She sets up the candles and even the music playing, I think, is really good. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think Willow and Buffy are such good best friends. And yes. those actors like Kim, I've said this so many times when you've not been on the podcast that like their dynamic reminds me of me and you. Aww. <laughs> like whenever I want to ask who I am. Oh, you're Willow, duh. <laughs> <laughs> because whenever Buffy's, like, being negative or, like, really, like, upset about a thing, Willow, like, has this, like, forced positivity, which, like, you always do with me, too, where you're like, no, well, maybe. And you'll try to pull, yeah. like, the one good thing that could possibly happen. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and I, don't, I think they have such good best friend chemistry. Um, and it's like, oh, Willow's going in to try to save her best friend. Yeah, um, and I don't know. I really like that Willow encountering young Buffy at when um, yes. her parents bring Dawn home. But I, her specifically talking to young Buffy reminded me of like you know ever have that thought of like friends who you made maybe like in high school or college or whatever, and you're like, man, I wish like we knew each other when we were younger. Yeah, and I got that feeling with with Willow and Buffy there a little bit. Or just like, oh, like you know, what if because this was before Willow and Buffy ever knew each other. And it's like, oh, like, you know, Willow could have been her friend then and sort of like, you know, helped her out, deal with her feelings about Dawn. I don't know. It was. Yeah. It was interesting. It made me think some stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And then Willow saying hi, Buffy, to little kid Buffy. Immediately, I was like, oh, like, I don't know why. Just like her knowing she's like, you know, slightly confused, but she recognizes what's going on pretty instantly. And the fact, like the idea of like, I mean, I want to say adult, but not really adult. What, like 20-year-old Willow seeing child Buffy? I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's really cute. Yeah. That girl who they got to play young Buffy was adorable. Yeah, she was really good. Um, And we get to see Joyce. I know. Oh, I know. God, rip my heart out. Like, it's funny to try. That's another one where you got to, like, put yourself back into, you know, your shoes a little bit in terms of watching it the first time and like Joyce's death was still so raw and it had been like a few weeks and seeing her again. I remember specifically seeing her again and being like, Oh God, it still hurts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. All of those things. That's how I feel all the time watching this show. <laughs> and I still scowl at, at Hank Summers every time they bring him onto the show in whatever capacity. What's weird. I is, don't like him. What's weird is in, <laughs> in forever. So they make sure to say, you know, Hank Summers hasn't, Hank, the dad hasn't contacted them. And 
we talked about it in that podcast, and the guests kind of thought maybe they couldn't get the actor, but I feel like clearly they could get the actor, right? Because he's in this episode, and they always use the same actor as her deadbeat dad. Uh, I feel like they just couldn't have him be there for his daughters, because then that would have kind of, like, added too much plot for the, like, what was going on, right? I think at some point the show made a very active decision that, like, Hank Summers not being in the picture is better for all of our dramatic relationships, and he's just not going to be around. And maybe like important. If I think about it, like for the time period, like having a sing- like, she's a single mom and that's a, a big part of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think like how many single moms were there on television back then? Like probably not many, especially in like a supernatural, like geek type show. Yeah. Yeah. Also there's that trope that like with like YA that you're in order for your character to, you know, be able to do adventures that like they can't have parents. Yeah. Right. So- yeah, there's that. Harry Potter. <laughs> With all of them. Yeah. yeah. Lives with her aunt and uncle. Like, you know, the list goes on. <laughs> the Lion King. I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, that whole scene, like, I was giving me too many feelings and hurting my heart, like seeing Joyce and then, you know, baby Buffy being like, I don't want a sister. And then being like, oh, can I protect her sometimes? I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, she really came around quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was reminding me, there's like a direct line from like Joyce before she dies saying you have to protect her to Buffy sacrificing herself for Dawn. Yeah. Um, and this kind of like adds to it, right? Like it gives us more like, it give, it adds to Buffy's guilt almost, right? Mm-hmm. This sort of implanted memory of her yeah. pledging to protect her baby sister from the moment she saw her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate the like weirdness of it, right? Like Willow's in Buffy's brain. And these are memories that she's witnessing, but like kid kid Buffy in the memory is still talking to Willow. Well, and remember, these are like crafted memories, too. That's the other thing. I always always think of um, that monk who died in whatever the last episode I was on to talk about was and No Place Like Home. And I'm like, man, that monk had a gift for storytelling. We're like, not only... Was he going to implant this memory of Don, of Don coming home from the hospital? But, like, Buffy initially doesn't want to be, you know, a big sister. And then she does. Like, man, this monk had a gift had for storytelling. character arcs. He That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> he read Save the Cat for this. <laughs> Kim, you would have published that monk in Gigantic Sequence. <laughs> He's very detailed. Yeah, and then, like, you know, like, Willow enters a memory of a vision quest inside of buff like yeah there's right. a lot yeah there's a uh, lot of layers yeah so then spike goes to visit he so he's already visited uh glory's apartment he's looking sexy smoking a cigarette then he goes to the hospital meets up with uh giles and xander where he smokes a cigarette in the hospital in front of the non the non-smoking sign yes kim i also made a note of that i was like they don't okay. even address it but it's definitely on nope. purpose right <laughs> yes <laughs> Like I'm, he, I was just waiting for some like a uh, hospital person to come by and be like, excuse me. Yeah. And they just, and I was like, all right, I, I'm into it. And like Giles coughs when he walks away, presumably because of the cigarette. But yeah, I was, I put in my notes, Spike might as well be riding a motorcycle through that hospital while like the Ramones play. <laughs> 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 Which knowing me, I would be into it because ugh, I'm predictable. Um, So they go to see the guy he knows is Joel Gray. Um, Joe, do you have any uh, insight on how they, like, booked a Broadway? He won an Oscar at this point, right? Oh, yeah. He was an Oscar winner from the 70s. He won his Oscar for Cabaret in 72. Um, Joel Gray, sort of famously, you know, great actor, stage and screen. I don't know. I think he was doing a lot of TV at the time because I remember the one thing that sticks out in my mind was he shows up on Buffy around this time and Buffy got killed. And then he showed up on... Oz, the HBO show Oz about oh, prison. Did? And in his storyline, one of my favorite characters on Oz, he kills him. And for kind of like out of the blue reasons, he just sort of shows up and he ends up being somebody who has a grudge and he kills him. And I'm like, Joel Gray needs to stop showing up <laughs> on my favorite TV shows because my favorite people keep getting killed. And I remember when he was in the preview, he was in a preview for an episode of Alias a little bit after this. And he shows up and he's like Mirror Sloan. I remember there was like some, I can't remember what the plot of the episode is because <laughs> Alias got crazy. But there was something where like Joel Grey was definitely like supposed to 
remind you of Sloan. I think he was like posing as Sloan for like a con or something like that. And I was like, fuck, Joel Gray's on alias. Somebody I love better not die. <laughs> so I think he was doing a lot of TV at this time. I okay. think that was just sort of like his his thing. Um, but yeah, he's like incredibly, you know, he's too big of a star for him to just be like, funneling information to spike so i think that was a little bit of a giveaway where he showed up in forever and he essentially just sort of like don't go do this thing yeah <laughs> and, and, had and a then tail. You, you yeah you realize that that couldn't be the only thing so i think we were all sort of at the time waiting for whatever that character was to sort of assert itself so that's why i think spike seeing through him this time was good because it's like i think we would have gotten a little bit aggravated if spike would have not realized that something was up yeah i'm so, i'm still going back to the spike smoking in front of the no smoke this is the first time watching it for the, today was the first time i ever realized that um and it's so silly but i love it this is again not a real criticism it's pedantic the thing where angel couldn't save buffy and prophecy girl is because he didn't have breath uh-oh. <laughs> right? I see where we're going with this. But yet Spike can smoke. Yet Spike can smoke. I'm just saying. Shut um, the show down. Brittany. <laughs> I'm just saying nothing good about the show can last now because one little thing was wrong. No. Joss had always said that like he would take good story over like the logistics of something. Oh, of course. And as he should. Currently, me and Laura, my co-host, we come up against a couple of like the the logistical elements of of Angel being a vampire. And there's also so much sunlight in that show. It's absolutely oh, insane. Yeah. Because true. he has like a business and stuff. But yeah, we've we've definitely been caught in that. And then it, it's just everything can kind of get amended by just knowing that he didn't really care about the logistics right. as much as he cared about a good story. Which it always guess- reminds me of that Simpsons episode where uh, Lucy Lawless is on and she's at some sort of like fan convention for oh, yeah. people. And she's like, you know what? Anytime there's a moment like that, just a wizard did it. <laughs> and I always think about that. Like those are like my, a wizard did it questions mm-hmm. where it's like, it doesn't really matter, but I did notice it. <laughs> I, honestly, that's, I think, watching Angel and Buffy when they aired, that was maybe the only thing I would notice. I'd be like, hmm, like I, like you said, Brittany, there's a lot of sunlight in Angel. So <laughs> and, like, they never quite, they never quite, like, sometimes vampires burst into flames, like, immediately, unless they're spiked in Angel. Then it's like, oh, they catch on fire a little bit, but they're okay. Right. Yeah, they can smolder for a little bit. It's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, like, you see the reflections a lot. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, back to our Vampire Slayer podcast. Um, so then we get more of Glory and Dawn. We always tend to, like, go back to Glory and Dawn. I feel like that's, like, every other scene, essentially. Yeah. Right. So well, this is the one between uh, theirs where the first time that she flips to Ben. Right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So she's struggling. Right. Because she's struggling. And then it ends with her choking dawn right she gets she's like kind of over the struggling between her and ben and that scene ends with her choking dawn and then we go back to willow with the first slayer well no we see willow sees the moment that buffy put the book on the shelf which we eventually have the reveal for what the importance of what that means um and then she quickly transitions to which i think is very willow and like, Kim, I feel like this was something you would do if you were in my brain and saw someone that tried to kill us all. And she's like, hey, I know you. You're the first original Slayer who tried to kill us all in our dreams. How have you been? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like very peak Willow because she's just like awkward and doesn't know like, she's like, oh, oh but this has nothing to do with Buffy and like go back to your regularly scheduled conversation after I'm done. But like there's an episode in uh, the Sabrina the Teenage Witch TV show that just dropped on Netflix. <gasps> Don't spoil anything is... for me yet. I haven't watched I... it all. No, all I will say is it is a pure restless, like, I'll say homage to be nice, but you could also say rip off. Like, it's it's restless at its core. It's really funny. What episode? Five, I want to okay. say. Yeah, so then it ends with that. And so, you know, it's like crazy, like Willow's watching Buffy's memory of a vision quest where the first layer appears to her, like, mystically. Um, we go back, we see... I don't think I mentioned this yet. We see her go into her mom's room. We see that it's instead of a bed, it's a grave, which is like rough. Oh, right. Um, Willow's reaction's really good there. She's like, oh, you know? Yeah. Yes. I, you know, I think 
Allison Hannigan and Claire Kramer like completely are the stars of this episode and carry the entire thing. For real. Yeah, um, totally. You know, they're both such great actors. So the minions convince Glory to let go of Dawn. And she's like, all right, you're right. It's cool. I'm just a little emotional right now, which if you're into irony, funny is like a plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I feel like Lori discussing humanity could like still like be a relevant monologue in 2018. Right. When she's like, who's not crazy. Look around. Again, yeah. one of those actress monologues that I feel like you could like do to like get a part in something. <laughs> right. Uh, what does she say? She's the she's the original one-eyed chicklet in the Kingdom of the Blind, which is yeah. like such. I know Joss didn't write this episode, but it is such a Joss kind of a line where it's just like there's twelve layers to <laughs> you know the wordplay at uh, going on there. Yeah, totally. Like the that reminds me of the the thing that Faith says when her and Buffy are like making the bed together, and it's something about like. Little Miss Muffet is on the way, and that's supposed to be like foreshadowing for right. Dawn as well. It kind of reminded me of that. Oh, it's a total uh, faith line for sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of crossover between, especially in dialogue between Glory and Faith, and it is probably a big part of the reason why I like Glory so much. And because they were both in Bring It On. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, Claire. Claire says that Eliza Dustry was the one that encouraged her to try out for Buffy. Yeah. Uh, and that she was, like, living on a couch at the time. I wanted to say something about a line that comes shortly after. The okay. one-eyed chicklet in the Kingdom of the Blind, which is uh, Glory asked Dawn, like, oh, well, you know, if everything's so terrible, like, name one human who can who can take it. And, like, you know Dawn's going to say Buffy, yeah. but it's still so good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I, what's I, funny I is that, like, Buffy doesn't want to take it. <laughs> is I think, like, that ties into the Death Wish is that, like... Right. I, Don just expects that Buffy can handle all of this emotion in like an inhumane way. Um, and and the irony of that line is that Buffy doesn't want to anymore, that it's like coming to an end for her of what she can even handle. But also that's like why I love Buffy. <laughs> like she's, I mean, this season she juggles more, like she juggles so much shit and like, Clearly that's relatable. Like us as the like viewers, we're relating to Buffy's pain, even though, you know, none of us have ever had to literally fight a hell God and save our made up sister after the, like two days after our mom died. Like that's not a thing, but we can relate to someone having to take on too much. Right. Totally. And that's what yes. like makes Buffy relatable. Like that one semester I had classes at eight thirty every morning, every day. <laughs> I feel very, very close to Buffy just uh, like from that. that experience. It's just like that. <laughs> And then the the scene flips immediately to like since so we don't you normally get like the Willow and Buffy in the room just sitting there because they're literally like you know brain bending or brain yeah. melting or some shit right then but yeah so uh, to Brittany's point Dawn says Buffy and then there's Buffy like catatonic yeah yeah it's it's really Definitely. good and I actually really like I meant to mention that I really like that when Willow's in Buffy's brain that they do like sometimes just show them while one of them is talking they'll show them just sitting in that room completely still yes um, i think that's like a really good like I, I, editing or directing choice i'm not sure which uh but i really like it and it adds to the like dream likeness of it all expecting something to happen like them to like snap out of it and it doesn't which i i mean obviously it's not going to but it, it, it adds tension i guess yeah i think so i mean this those type of scenes and then like all of restless are very like david lynch to me yeah. Because, like, Buffy and Willow are talking, but we're looking, we're right. occasionally getting glimpses of the scenes of them just sitting there where their mouths aren't moving. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that I kept, I also kept thinking of that. Uh, so then we, then, you know, we go back again to Glory and Dawn, and Dawn pleading for Ben to help her made me feel so bad for Dawn. It's like, man, there is, like, it is bleak and hopeless, and she's, like, pleading with this shithead to help yeah. her. Yeah. And so did we all think, is it the blending of Ben and Glory that's making Ben more of a selfish asshole or is he just a selfish asshole? I thought it was the blending. I think it's the blending that he, because there's that one moment where he says that he can feel Glory's memories yeah. of killing other people. So I think that it's definitely the same. It's, you know, the reciprocal effect that it's having on Glory is happening to Ben as well. Yes. Although I, I, feel like there's not to let him off the hook too much because I do feel like 
at the very least, all along, he had been sharing his body with this, you know, hell god and hadn't really been doing a whole lot to, like, alert anybody or prepare anybody or, like, you know what I mean? Like, he was just, I think, Ben trying to make his little corner of existence, you know, that he does go to medical school, that he does become a doctor. Um, shows that, like, he wants what he wants out of, you know, this sort of weird hand that he's been dealt. And ultimately, this episode, he proves that he's going to do some really shady things to keep it. And it is, I think, the fact that he and Glory are blending gives him a little bit more, like, impetus to act. But I think, ultimately, Ben's a pretty weak character in that he... Not a not a bad character, but like a weak person because he never really did the heroic thing ever, and I think this episode really proves that. Mm-hmm. And I think the show had to get him to that point because they know what's going to happen in the next episode, and you need to get Ben to a point where, like, spoiler, Giles can kill him without the audience fully turning on Giles. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's true. Right, and then that makes more sense for in the gift after he's been beat up and like we see Ben talking to Glory and he's like, just me and you now, baby, as he's bleeding. Because yeah. I always thought that line felt a little weird and unlike him, but I guess that makes more sense if it's they're blending together and it's not just him being yes. an asshole. Yeah. Um, also, the scene where they keep going back and forth into each other rapid fire is so good and so ambitious on a like directing level and on a writing level actually um it's low-key like one of my favorite scenes of the season and i always forget that until i watch this episode and it's like it's so impressive and also it's impressive that don doesn't try to run at all she's just like watching the show (laughs) yeah i'm just yelling run like for half this episode every time she's there i'm like why aren't you running i'm like oh you're a teenager and you're scared okay don's me being like this monologue is great claire kramer (laughs) 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 um yeah and it's funny because claire kramer had said talked about this scene in particular how she had to stand on a platform so that way when they viewed it her and uh the actor who plays ben whose name i can't remember or charlie weber charlie weber so that way they were the same height and like yep, they didn't have yep. to relight the whole scene oh that makes sense okay and that that's why it was easier for them to do in that outfit because it wasn't sure fitting on her and every yeah. other outfit they had to expand for him to fit into you can cover the box right uh, at her feet yeah yeah um i mean i do have to say i think she looks good in that black is it a a onesie? Not a onesie. What the hell is that called? Jumper. It's like, jumper. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like it's like a jumpsuit, almost. Um, I would wear that outfit, but it wouldn't look good on me. But I would wear it. <laughs> you would wear it with, like, cold glasses and a coat, and it'd look really good. So, yeah. So, we get that scene. Um, yeah, Dawn definitely should have run away. Uh, but I feel like she was just, like, absolutely terrified. And if, yeah, and if she had turned in the glory and been able to, like, you know, smash her legs or something, that would be worse. So, I yeah. mean... I might have also been like, I'll just stay here and see how this plan pans out. Uh, but yeah, Glory, Glory's doing the most, doing great things. Um, then we're back in Buffy's brain. And I this is, this is maybe one of my favorite, spoiler, one of my favorite scenes is Kid Buffy telling Willow, you talk funny. And Willow saying, yes, and you'll tell me that again when we're older and in chem class. Mm-hmm. I was like, ugh. My heart, they have such good best friend chemistry, even when one of them's a child in a dream. Like, <laughs> yeah, so then we go to Spike and Xander. They go to Doc's place. My notes say, What that tongue do, Doc? Because, <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think of this scene? I mean, I think Xander Spike scenes are always so, they walk a line with me because I think they do have really funny chemistry together. But it can so very easily tip over into being annoying to me. And this episode mostly stays on the funny side. And the little lingering bits of Gloria's Ben that, that you know, keep peeking into their story is just very funny. Um, Agreed. But and also, yeah. like, necessary. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
Um, but I think, yeah, I think I just spent most of that scene just sort of like glaring at Joel Gray and waiting for him to do something creepy. As someone who read a lot of fan fiction of this back in the day, that's all I think of with Spike and Xander, even though they never get to a point. Because, right, I think Riley and Xander were starting to get there, but then he left. Like, I think Riley and Xander, I enjoyed their scenes together, um, where they were just, like, kind of shitty. Like, Riley would, like, rag on him for being a nerd. Um, And I kind of enjoyed that. Like, but I don't think Spike and Xander, yeah. Like, this episode, you know, when Spike slaps him over the head in the hospital, and he's like, this is going to be worth it, and they both yell, ow. Yeah. Um, I think the actors do well together, but sometimes it's too much just them, like, flexing at each other which i hate right character wise not the actors but the characters just doing that and it's crazy that like they quote-unquote kill doc but then he's actually the one that like ends up being why buffy has to die right yeah oh yeah like he comes in at the end with that knife and he's the one that slashes up dawn um yeah which i think is really good and he i mean he's an oscar winner so yeah he's really good in that scene do did xander and spike ever really take any like accountability for the fact that like they didn't fully kill him and that's why Buffy died does that make sense I mean but to be fair it's not like I don't know that like I would have thought I killed him too gotta make sure they're dead but they just like (laughs) stabbed him and then left we can blame Willow for putting them together to go on like we we can probably like blame everybody right yeah go back up that ladder as far as we can it's it's all their fault (laughs) yeah um then we get Back to Glory and Ben and Dawn. Um, and Glory says she's going to take her feelings of guilt and empathy and mash them back down, which is so good. Um, and Glory saying, like, it's late in the game for Ben to grow a backbone, which is, like, kind of true. Like, he should have maybe thought about this earlier. Although I guess it's, like, also, you can make the argument he never remembered. He just knew what Glory was, but didn't, you know, exactly know. I don't know. And, and Claire Kramer definitely carries the scenes with Charlie Weber. Like, when they're arguing, it's definitely, like, she's doing A++ work, and he's doing, like, I would say, like, C+. I think he keeps up with her in this scene, but yeah, I think so. I think I think generally you're right. I want to know what everyone felt about the reveal. We get the reveal, we finally go back to the magic box scene, and Buffy reveals what it is. I do like the setup where Buffy is telling Willow, don't go there, and Willow's like, you are literally bringing me here. What is yeah. this? What do we all think of that reveal? I really liked how... Willow states the states the well not Willow I'm sorry how Buffy states the obvious when she says it's not about the book because the whole time as a viewer I'm like what is that book you know the book <laughs> seems so important um and then it's just like this moment that she had that she remembers so clearly that Willow defines later as guilt but how she's seeing as like you know something else at the time so yeah I like how her explanation of it isn't what it actually is and you know she needs her best friend there to say well this is guilt this is the thing people feel and we've already had the word guilt be used in the episode before too which i think is just a good like tie-in together between the two scenes we're kind of flipping back and forth between i also i've always thought that it's it's a little bit of a like a football coach way of looking at everything where like buffy is like, well, this one moment that I thought it might be better if it all, you know, if I lose and it all goes away, and that's why I lost. And it's like, man, she is so fucking hard on herself (laughs) that, like, just that one moment was enough that that's why she lost. And it's that sort of maniacal way of just, like, one million percent focus at all times and no moments of weakness. You're not allowed to have a moment of weakness or else you will lose. And she puts that pressure on herself. And I think you see that increasingly through the rest of the series and that like Buffy as a sort of, you know, warrior is kind of a psycho about that kind of stuff. And just like, but it's like, it's a mentality. It's a mindset that it's like a window into her. Sorry. I wonder if how much of her sort of losing Willow in the next season in some ways, like brings that out of her. Because I feel like Willow's there to, like, balance those feelings and be like, no, like, this is this is what this is. It's not that, you know, right. like, you're not a terrible person. But once we get, you know, dark, blah, 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 um, she doesn't have that anymore. Yeah, that's she a very good point. Xander and Spike. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it because it just showed how exhausted she is by doing this you know, this job for the last five years and how when something like her mom passing away comes up, 
she doesn't even have the the space or the privilege to to grieve like she instantly just has to fight again and yeah. i think you know that was definitely a a great just look into this this leader that we've seen for five seasons always believe that she could take everything that's coming her way and then there's just one you know there's glory and she's just like i don't know how the fuck i can do this and i don't know right. it, it really uh humanized her in a way and, and made yeah i liked it yeah i i actually 100 percent agree with that like i appreciate that this like warrior badass hero is like doing a human thing right like you said joe she's being so hard on herself it is like a like coach mentality like that's on a big dog shirt like give yourself a thousand percent all the time always or your sister's dead like right right exactly (laughs) exactly well it also it speaks to the idea that like being a slayer there is no finish line to being a slayer you're just you're the slayer forever and die right and like it must be comforting at least to have a thought of okay big battle against glory Dawn's life is on the line. If I win, I win. And if I lose, at least it's over. And there's, you know, you can see why that would at least appeal to her for like half a second, because it's just like the alternative to that is, well, I fight and she's just going to maybe come back at me again. And it's just going to keep going on and on and on forever. And if it's not Gloria, it's going to be somebody else. Right. And it just goes on indefinitely. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I love Willow's speech to Buffy. And her just being like, okay, hello, your sister's not dead yet. And just telling her, she's like, Spike was right earlier. Snap out of it. And this is why I always defend Willow, because even though in season six, you know, she has some questionable things and whatever. But I I think Willow, and I don't even say this to shit on Xander, but definitely more so than Xander is like the best friend that Buffy needs. A little Uh, bit to shit on. (laughs) I like when she pluralizes Buffy's. Yes. There's two of them there. That was an, an important like mom- Willow moment for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we get them snapping out, which I also think Sarah Michelle Geller is doing some great acting of like blank face and then scared and then sobbing. She's yeah. such a good crier. She's so she really is. I cried. Oh, you did? Well, yeah, when she cried, I cried. Not too, too much. Just a little. I mean, same. I didn't expect to cry either. Like I, you know, and I did. Oh, I always, I always cry at that scene when I rewatch this episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is where I cry. Oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> I mean, her acting is always a plus, I think. Then we go to the magic box and Giles explains the ritual and, you know, it's setting us up for the next scene in the finale where they have that big argument, which I think is such a big deal. Yeah, Tell and, me to kill my sister. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And him explaining it to her and Buffy being like, I need you to say it. And be like, well, the only way the ritual ends is if Dawn dies. It's such a good cliffhanger for the next episode, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I almost watched the next episode <laughs> instead of doing everything that I have to do <laughs> because of that. Yeah, it took a lot for me to, to stop the episode after. I tend to not watch past when we do these records because I don't want to... You know, my my I can't I won't be able to remember which episode I'm talking about when I talk about it. But like it took a lot to stop right (laughs) there because the gift is so. uh, Yeah. Yes, you are correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Are we there at the end? I think we're there, right? Correct. All right. Favorite outfit, Brittany. Um, I guess I would say Dawn's sacrificial gown. Did we see that? We saw that in the set. I, I made the mistake of watching the gift immediately <laughs> after. <laughs> no, we, we don't. We actually don't see that in this episode. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, then let me. Well, then I guess I'm just going to have to go with um, with Glory and Ben's versatile gown. All right. <laughs> uh, Kim? So I was going to go with Glory and Ben's versatile gown. But um, at the very end, when we do get that scene where Buffy snaps out of it, and Willow kind of kneels down in front of her. It is revealed that she is wearing heels with those yellow pants, oh. which make that whole outfit like a thousand times better than if she were wearing sneakers. So <laughs> I decided that that was going to be my outfit because I, I don't know. It just it makes it more classy that she's not wearing sneakers. She's wearing like heels, but it's kind of like a, a cute, like cow, almost like cowboy looking, like kind of flannel thing at the top with a. I'm gesturing with my hands. You can't see what I'm doing. Um, the button up. And then these like yellow jeans that would look, I can't wear mustard. So I'm always jealous when people can. And then these like heels with it. So yeah. that. All right, Joe. Um, well, I feel like, I mean, the, the ceremonial frock is sort of the, 
the standout garment of the episode. But so I wanted to throw in for Willow's hair in this episode, which I think there was a lot of in between Willow hair this season that they're trying to get from the like season four college chop to wherever they're going in six. And I feel like this was a really good hair moment for Willow. And I want to stop and recognize that. I do really like her like I I don't like crimped hair. Is that what you're not crimped? Curl, slightly curled, but not really curled. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. This is that. sort of like you know, fresh back from like being on the run, and she didn't have a whole lot of time to like, yeah, you know, do anything with it. But it just sort of looks good, messy. So my favorite outfit is a tie, as it is with Spiral. I love the like. I actually didn't realize she was wearing heels with that outfit, Kim, until you said that. But I love Willow's no nonsense butch all green look with the plaid, um, and I love <laughs> Buffy's black leather jacket with the pants and the white and her like hair up in a ponytail. I don't know why, but for me, those two are like the standout outfits of season five. Like they're my favorites because it's like, Hey, we're on the run. We need to wear outfits that make sense. Although I guess yeah. the heels don't quite make sense with that outfit, but they weren't like spiky heels, you know, they okay. were just like heely heels. Yeah. Um, Willow did have the air of like going to an art class about her in this episode, which yeah. I really liked. And I'm in, of course, I I'm liked into it better it. when her shirt was buttoned at one point, but yeah, that's yeah. getting <laughs> Uh, minus a turtleneck i would wear that outfit <laughs> seconded favorite scene kim oh man um the one we read all right cool uh because joe it's joe hilarious. um the the ben turning into glory turning into ben scene rapid fire at the end Brittany, i really liked the scene between glory and don well it's hard to say between when it's just glory speaking but the part where she's talking about how human emotion is useless and how <laughs> nobody actually wants to be alive and that we're always distracting ourselves. I really liked it. And mine would actually be Buffy revealing what that's like the putting the book on the shelf in the magic boxes. I like that whole scene with her and Willow um, and Willow telling her to snap out of it. That's probably my favorite. Um, Okay. Now we're going to grade the episode. Joe, what do you grade this episode? I think it's a really good episode that comes between two episodes that like my head was about to pop off with how like, (laughs) excited i was so i think on a buffy scale i think i give it a b okay all right on a regular tv show scale it's like an a minus but like compared to buffy episodes i think i'd give it a b okay Brittany. yeah i'd give it like a b minus probably because of same yeah (laughs) kim i know you're afraid to ask me because you know i'm a tough grader i give this an a i feel like on my rubric right so if i'm grading this like on my rubric I'd just make it so, you know, there's a little parts here that maybe are, uh, you know, not entirely an A, but it makes up for it in all these other parts. So uh, I've struggled between that and an A minus, but an A minus is like, you know, an, a 92 is an A. So, yeah, yeah I think it, gets, it just makes it over into that A category, like for sure. In case we didn't mention it earlier, um, Kim is a professor, in case you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, love a rubric. I love a good rubric. I actually, Kim, I agree with you. I give it an A. I was wavering. I was like, is it A minus, A plus, A? And then I'm like, no, it's a straight A. Because I, yeah, I think that even the things that like maybe don't work as well, like the things that work, work so well. And I think it's a really good lead in to like, you know, this crazy ending that we're going to get where like every character is at 100%. Everyone's doing all sorts of shit. Everything's intense. Ends with a death. I just think it's a really good lead in and i don't like i said before i don't always love a slowdown but i think this slowdown was needed um and works really well yeah i can't imagine what it was like Brittany, for you to see it like and not having seen like the whole rest of it so i feel like that may like i can't judge this alone in that same way that you might be able to like as like a tv episode like i have to judge it in like where it is in the series and like what it's doing so that i, I just wanted to throw that out there <laughs> you don't have to defend drake <laughs> No, but I was saying I understand why, like, she would grade it less because, yeah. like, she saw it in this weird time. Like, that <laughs> All right. Thank you all for joining us, Joe. Thank you. I can't believe this was your first time co-hosting when you've been on since season one, first episode. I know. I know. What a moment. And thank you, Brittany and Kim, for becoming full-fledged Scoobies. Yay. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got, if you all like SlayerFest98, feel free to subscribe to us and definitely rate us. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at SlayerFestX98. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at IanXCarlos. Joe, where can everyone find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at Joe Reed. Reed is spelled R-E-I-D. I also host a podcast called This Had Oscar Buzz that you can check out about old uh, movies that were gunning for Oscar that didn't quite make it. Uh, my uh, co-host and I, Chris File, we talk about different movie each week. It's pretty fun. And you can also find me every day at Decider.com. And Brittany, where can everyone find you? Sure. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Brit27Ash. If you go over there now, you can see some Bring It On reenactments because I was Missy for Halloween yesterday. Yay. And I also co-host an Angel on Angel podcast called Angel on Top, which uh, you can find at Angel on Top cast for Twitter and Instagram as well. And Kim? I'm at Kim and Joe South, J-O, no extra E on Twitter. And if you like poetry, I have a website where all my writing goes. So that's KimberlyAnnSouthwick.com. No extra E's in any part of my name. Cool. Cool. Um, thank you all. And I'll see everyone next week for the gift. Ah, bye. 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 bye.